and welcome back to the Disney World Today podcast. I am your ghost host for the day, Kevin Pope. Hope everyone's having a magical day, a magical week. Hope everything's going good with you guys. Back with another episode. I got my coffee with me. It's a 30 degree windy day here in Chicago, and I apologize if the audio isn't great. I'm currently uh, you know, driving home from work. I was listening to some Disney music. Um, and it just kind of got me in the mood, and I figured, yeah, you know what? I feel like talking some Disney right now, so I'm going to record a little bit as I sit in traffic. So I apologize for the audio. Just the intro is going to be uh, while I'm driving. Don't worry, hands-free, you know, eyes on the road. Uh, so thank you guys for understanding that. First, got to plug everything socials. Follow me on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Disney World Today. I'm uh, going to be trying to post more. I kind of, it's been a busy couple of weeks for me. Um, so I haven't been posting as many like uh, like reels or TikToks like that. I try to post stories and stuff at least, you know, every day. I've uh, been pretty busy, pretty busy. And if you guys are following me, you know why, but we'll get into that in a second. Uh, wherever you're listening to this, if you can, leave a rating and a review. Hit that subscribe button. It's all super quick, super easy. Takes a few seconds, really helps me out. Uh, especially if you're on your iPhone or Apple product right now and you want to head over to the uh, little podcast app and uh, leave me a review, I'll give you a shout out on the very next episode. So why has my life been a little busy and crazy the last couple weeks? If you don't follow me on Instagram or social media, you probably, you know, maybe don't know. Uh, but I, I know I've, I've talked a little bit about it on the podcast here, but I had to go to a wedding. Uh, One of our friends got married down in Florida, Naples, Florida. So we had to go down to the wedding, down to Florida for a few days. Uh, Beautiful wedding. The, you know, Naples, it was the first time I've ever been to Naples. I've heard good things and it lived up to it. You know, the weather was perfect. It was like between 77 and 82 every day with like a nice ocean breeze everywhere we went. Uh, And the wedding was gorgeous as well. And, uh, we left a day early and we went to Siesta Key. We actually stayed, you know, maybe a five-minute walk from where we got married. And we got married at Siesta Key during the summer. So we figured we had a few days. Let's go down to Siesta Key. Uh, we stayed in a really nice, cozy little resort. And then uh, the day before the wedding, you know, we had it was kind of our off day. We went to the beach and we took a bunch of pictures to announce that my wife and I are expecting our first child, which is crazy, crazy for me to think about. Uh, We've kind of kept it under wraps for a little bit, so I've had some time to kind of uh, grasp it and and accept it and kind of, you know, you know, um, just basically just let it set in. And, you know, when we, when we took the pictures and posted it, it was kind of like I was reliving that moment I found out uh, for the very first time again, all the, uh, all the comments and likes and texts and stuff were uh, were great. So, thank you guys. It's uh, you know we're excited. We're, we're very excited. Um, can't wait to uh, you know be those parents. You know, bringing the the little kid around Disney. You know, that was me back in the day. You know, my first trip to Disney was when I was two. So we'll see uh, when this happens. So pretty exciting stuff. So because of all of that, the craziness the last couple of weeks. Last week's episode uh, was more of a easier, fun kind of simple episode. Uh, talked all about Disney favorites. Uh, I did my top 10 Disney favorites list. I talked about my favorite rides, uh, my favorite snacks, souvenirs, everything like that. Went through each park 
and uh, kind of just talked about which ride was my favorite at each park. And then we had some listener Q&A, which was always fun for me. You guys sent me some questions on Instagram, so thank you guys for pretty much helping me, you know, make last week's episode. This week's, though, will be a little more uh, in-depth, kind of back to normal. This week, we're going to be getting a little weird. We're talking top 10 weird moments slash things in Walt Disney World history. Now, this idea came to me uh, from one of uh, one of you guys, one of our listeners, one of my uh, friends on Instagram. We, we grew up together, went to the same middle school, uh, Carrie L. She, uh, she had a suggestion for the show talking basically like, you know, embarrassing moments at Disney or cringe moments, weird moments, stuff like that. So I, you know, I was trying to figure out how to do it. I was trying to think of like a, a way to do a top 10 out of it. So I kind of settled on a top 10 list of weird moments slash things in Walt Disney World history. So Cariel, thank you for the suggestion. And I think that about does it for this introduction. Let's get on into this episode. Here we go. Your attention, please. The Walt Disney World Railroad, now boarding for a scenic trip around the Magic Kingdom. Board! All right, so we're going to get a little weird with it. We're talking weird Disney, weird moments, weird things. Uh, I didn't really know how else to describe it, but you'll kind of understand where I'm coming from uh, once we go through this list. And I think a good place to start for my first one, my number 10. Now, this one you might not know or remember, but I'm asking you guys, after I bring it up, after we talk about it, just look it up, Google Images, look on YouTube. My number 10 pick for top 10 weird things slash moments at Walt Disney World is the Tapestry of Nations Parade uh, that took place at Epcot during the year 2000, the Millennium Celebration. This parade, like I said, was at Epcot. It took place um, around World Showcase, and it ran from 1999 uh, through 2001. And uh, after that, they kind of changed it up a little bit, changed the name. But Epcot World Showcase, a parade, and... This is one I remember seeing, you know, when I was that age, like nine, ten years old. But I mostly remember the music. I remember the I remember the parade, and I remember not liking it. And now looking back and looking at you know pictures and videos and stuff, uh, I realize why. <laughs> now the song I remember like the music for the parade not being bad, but the actual parade itself was weird. It was creepy, like all like the characters and floats and stuff it's all like almost like puppets like puppet themed weird like I remember there was like this Egyptian themed person like kind of on stilts with a mask and like these weird tapestry puppet things no maybe it's just me you know but I I kind of find like puppets and ventriloquists and stuff a little creepy a little eerie a little weird and for it to be a parade like and that was kind of the theming of it which is weird. Like, I don't understand how that kind of represents Epcot World Showcase or the Millennium. And here it is. Like, here's your here's your year 2000, Y2K, the Millennium. And, oh, okay, Disney, let's, let's do a parade at Epcot for it. Why is it not at Future World? You know, Epcot is based on tomorrow and technology and the future. 
and you do a parade about Y2K where we're all freaking out that the world's going to end and computers are going to crash and all this stuff, this new millennium, and you do a weird parade at World Showcase. Like I said, look it up on, on YouTube if you want the full effect. I, I'm sure there's um, plenty of full videos. And just watching it back now, it like it looks like, like I said, the music, I like the music. I think they still play the music. Uh, if not at Epcot, at Animal Kingdom, like you can definitely hear it. It's recognizable. The parade now, looking back at it, looks like a parade that would fit in at um, Animal Kingdom. It has like a oh, like a jungle type vibe to it, um, and I, I remember the music especially because you know we saw the parade, and then the following school year, um, our school had a contest. Like if you um, Radio Disney was coming to our school, like for an assembly or someone from Radio Disney. And if you wrote uh, some sort of essay, um, it was like almost like extra credit. If you wrote an essay, uh, then you were able to get like front row seats for it. And I remember um, only like me and like my cousin and a couple other people were the only ones that did it. So we got front row. And I remember when, before the assembly started, they were playing music and they were playing the music from this parade. So my number 10 pick, please look it up on, on Google, on YouTube. It's a weird parade, especially in the year 2000, especially looking back now. Little creepy puppets. It's weird. The tapestry, tapestry, however you want to say it, of Nations Parade at Epcot World Showcase during the Millennium Celebration. As I'm looking at this list, I, I should probably mention too, it, it was like almost impossible to actually like rank them from like best to worst or worst to best. So I'm just kind of doing, you know, 10, you know, weird moments or things like they're, that are not really in a specific order to me. So for my number nine pick, I just feel like bringing this one up now. Celebrating Halloween in August at Walt Disney World. I'm sorry, guys. That's weird to me. Mickey's not so scary Halloween party starts in mid-August. Like, I know as a culture, as people nowadays, it kind of seems like we're always kind of looking forward to what's next you know, mostly with Christmas, like I, you know, people start kind of decorating and getting into the Christmas spirit before Thanksgiving, like November 1st, um, you know, people are already ready for Christmas, but Halloween, like August at Disney world, you can go to a Halloween party. That's two months, two full months before Halloween. And I, I understand kind of why they do it, you know, it's kind of like for people who can't make it there during the Halloween season, you know, you can come and do it in August. But come come on, guys. If you can't make it, you know, for, for me, I think it should start maybe after, after September 11th, maybe, maybe. Maybe that's when you start the Halloween party. If not, you know, September 1st. That's when you want to start it. You know, it's fall, fall at Disney, you know. Let's start the Halloween party September 1st. Okay, I, I get it. August, like, I believe the first day was August 12th. Like, August 12th, like, you're not even back in college yet. Like, some schools don't start, especially here in Chicago, some schools don't start until Labor Day. Like, how are you celebrating Halloween August 12th? Whether on your on vacation or not, like, it gets to a certain point where if you can't make it, you know, to Disney for a, a Halloween celebration... During a certain time. It's just how it is. You know, I, I don't go to Disney in August and expect them to, you know, have Christmas stuff out. 
I don't expect, I wouldn't expect them, you know, to have Halloween stuff out so I can see Halloween stuff. It's August. Come on. Like schools, not all the schools have even started yet. And you can go to a Halloween party at Disney. Like that's just weird to me. You know, they extend it. Do, do they extend it so that more people get a chance to experience a Halloween party? Or do they extend it so that people pay more for the Halloween ticket, right? It seems like kind of a money grab. Like, oh, you know, the Halloween party is pretty popular. Let's extend it and have it from August 12th through November. I, I'm sorry. Like, it, it's, it's just weird to me. I hope I'm not the only one here. Um, you know, I, and I don't know the exact dates of the Christmas party, but it's not as bad because, like I said, you know, once you get to Thanksgiving, you know, everyone's kind of celebrating Christmas anyway. You know, the weeks leading up to Thanksgiving, it's cold, it's winter, people are starting to get into that mood. But Halloween is not Christmas, you know? <laughs> no one is getting, no one's decorating their house in August for Halloween. No one's putting up Halloween decorations August 12th. So to me, it's too soon. It's weird. Imagine, you know, being a, a casual Disney fan or a first time visitor and you go to Disney August 12th and there's Mickey Pumpkins. It's a little, it's weird to me. It's too soon. I have a lot of problems with it. So for me, my number nine pick is celebrating Halloween in August. And also too, like where else can you go, you know, that is kind of Halloween themed in, in August? Like I know stores kind of put stuff out earlier and earlier, but it just seems like Disney is like the only place doing this. So let's move on to my number eight pick now though. For my number eight pick, this one, this one's weird to me. It's weird to think about and it's, you know, kind of random, but it, it you know, it, it popped in my head when I was making this list. My number eight pick is when the mini speedboats that you could rent at Disney World used to have a minimum age of 12. Let's go back. It's the year, well, let's say it's 1999 or so. I'm at Disney World with my family and we, uh, we decided to go to Contemporary Bay Lake, Seven Seas Lagoon, you know, and rent some boats. And I'm nine years old. Obviously, that's not, you know, you can't rent a, a mini speedboat at nine, but my cousin is 12. And according to Disney back in 1999, that was old enough for him to rent and drive a mini speedboat. Uh, they're called uh, Sea Racers at the Contemporary Resort. And this is for people who haven't been to Disney or don't know, um, you know, the, the Contemporary Resort, pretty big hotel. And there's two man-made lakes there that kind of connect the contemporary to the Magic Kingdom. So if you're staying at the contemporary, you can take a ferry boat from the hotel to the Magic Kingdom via those lakes. You can also rent boats, like personal boats, um, you know, like big kind of like, uh, I'm not sure, uh, what are those called? Not yachts, but you know, like pontoon boats. You can take the family out there, you know, kind of cruise around, enjoy the day. And they have like these, I call them mini speedboats. They're not, they're, you know, they don't go 60 miles an hour. They're called little sea racers. And according to Google, they have a top speed of 20 miles an hour. Now it's 1999. You can be a 12 year old and drive around this, this miniature speedboat that fits at most two people. So it, it's a small little boat. And you can hit speeds of 20 miles per hour and you're 12 years old on this lake by yourself. Like that is crazy weird to me to think that 
that was acceptable of, of all places at Disney. And I remember my cousin renting one. I wasn't old enough. Me and my dad had to share one. And my cousin had his own. And think about, you know, I know you're on a lake and stuff, but you can, run, you can crash into other, other boaters. You can crash into the big ferry boats. You can crash into rocks. Like, it's so weird to me that at one point you only had to be 12 years old to rent one of these and drive one of these by yourself. Like, I remember my cousin... I remember he uh, he was driving it. I'm pretty sure he, like, I don't want to say, like, cut off, but he went in front of, like, the giant ferry boat that takes you from ticket and transportation to the Magic Kingdom. Like, this is a giant boat. And I remember him just zipping right past this thing and the ferry boat just laying on the horn. Um, and that was my 12-year-old cousin. And, like, that, that was perf- perfectly acceptable. Like, we didn't have to take a test. You know, you didn't have to take a, you get a temporary boater's license. Hey, you just had to be 12 and have an adult with a credit card and you could rent a speedboat. Like that is crazy weird to me that that was a thing at Disney and my personal memories of, you know, that trip and, you know, watching my cousin get his own little boat at 12 years old and me having to, you know, still ride with my dad. I'll never forget it. And that's why, you know, it, it makes my list. So my number eight pick being 12 years old, and able to rent a mini speedboat at Disney. For my next pick, what is this, number seven, I believe? This one is, this one's definitely weird. My number seven pick is Harry Potter music at Disney World. Now, this one, I thought I was crazy. And this is probably going back maybe seven or eight years. We're, we're riding on, the, on a Disney bus from our hotel and I believe we were going to either Epcot or Hollywood Studios. And we're riding on the bus. You know, um, you know the, the buses play Disney music and stuff. And we're sitting there. And I'm, you know, just kind of doing my own thing. All of a sudden, I realize what I'm, like, listening to and what I'm kind of humming in my head. And it's the Harry Potter song. Like, the, the main theme, the Harry Potter theme song that everyone knows. And they're playing it on a Disney bus. And at this point... I don't know if uh, Wizarding World was open yet or not. I'm not sure, but it was close. I know Disney didn't have the rights, so they were either building Wizarding World or they had just opened it. And I'm sitting there, and it's unmistakable, unmistakable, like that, you know, that song. Like, I know that song, and it, it was it. And I couldn't find anything on it. I Googled it when I was doing this episode, And I'm not the only one. Like, other people have heard it. So it is a thing. They played, you know, Harry Potter music on buses around Walt Disney World property. And, again, I'm looking it up. I couldn't find anything. I couldn't find if Disney had the rights to it. Now, I think Hans Zimmer did the music for Harry Potter. Um, So maybe there's something there. Like, maybe they had a deal with Hans Zimmer that they could use all of his music they could use it maybe on the bus. Maybe Disney had rights to, you know, instrumental versions of certain songs and scores and stuff. I'm not exactly sure. I couldn't find any definitive, like, proof or, you know, evidence. But it's a real thing. Um, I've heard it. I googled it. There's, like, a Reddit thread on it. Like, they, I don't know if they still do it, but they definitely, at one point within the last five to ten years, were playing Harry Potter music on their buses, which is crazy. Like, that's, like the Wizarding World of Harry Potter is probably the the biggest thing that Universal has done to give Disney competition. 
And here Disney is kind of promoting, you know, that land and that movie and that franchise, you know, by by playing the music, you know, on their bus. Like, you don't want, you know, people sitting there like humming, you know, the Harry Potter theme while they're walking into the Magic Kingdom, you know. So that's always been a weird one for me. When I was making this list, I had to put it because this is one I myself, like, I heard this music and it wasn't until later and I was looking it up that I realized that other people had heard it too. So my number seven pick Hearing the, hearing the Harry Potter theme played at Disney. For my number six pick, this one is definitely weird. It's the magical world of Barbie show that took place at Epcot in the mid-90s. Now, I don't know about you guys, but when I think Epcot, I definitely think Barbie, right? Barbie, yes, that the doll, the toy, had a show at Epcot. And they also had a... VHS special. It was like Barbie's birthday celebration at Epcot. And I believe the VHS came out in 1994, but the show ran at Epcot from 93 to 95. And I don't remember ever seeing this, but I believe it was a show that kind of had Barbie going to like different like locations around the world. Like I think she went on a safari and she went to Australia and there's like Barbie and Ken and like all the actors were kind of you know, made to look like dolls and stuff. And this was at Epcot. This is Epcot 93 to 95. Like, to me, like, Epcot in those years, 93, 94, 95, is still peak Epcot, you know? Peak Epcot is definitely 80s. You know, but early 90s, 93, like, it still has that, you know, that special touch of being futuristic. And they had innovations and they had you know, all the futuristic stuff um, at the exit of Spaceship Earth. Like, they had all that still. And then they put a Barbie show in there and a Barbie birthday special VHS, you know, tape. And I I just don't, I don't get it. Like, Epcot was the thing, like, you didn't see characters at Epcot. You never saw Mickey, Goofy, Minnie, like, any of those special um, no, not special, but any of the normal characters at Epcot because it didn't fit the theme. You know, it's a futuristic park. It's, you know, World Showcase. Like, Mickey doesn't fit there. They would have, you know, Figment and Dreamfinder and, you know, other futuristic characters. Or, you know, Mickey walking around in a spacesuit like you see in some of the old pictures. Barbie? Like, if you're doing a Barbie show, if you're doing a Barbie birthday celebration, why is this not at MGM Studios? Like, this screams... MGM Studios in the 90s, yet somehow it's at Epcot. Like, I understand maybe they didn't have the room. You know, maybe they're probably trying to draw more kids into Epcot in the 90s, which they were probably, you know, realizing that it was way too much of a kind of educational park and all the kids wanted to go to Magic Kingdom. And then at this point, they wanted to go to MGM Studios. So maybe that was their kind of strategy. But Barbie at Epcot in the 90s. I think that's all I have to say for this one. So my number six pick, Barbie at Epcot. For my number five pick, we're heading over to Disney's Hollywood Studios and kind of similar to the Barbie show. This one, I, you know, maybe it's still not too weird and crazy now, but in the future, it'll appear even weirder. But my number five pick is that Drew Carey had his own attraction at Walt Disney World. I'm talking about, of course, it was called Drew Carey Sounds Dangerous. It was an attraction slash show at uh, Hollywood Studios. And 
yes, it starred Drew Carey. And I have to imagine 10, I mean, maybe now, but I have to imagine for sure 10, 20 years down the road, there's going to be, you know, kids and, and younger, the, you know, people from the younger generation who are going to look up retro Disney stuff. And they're going to see that the guy that hosted The Price is Right had his own attraction at Disney World. And that's got to be weird. Like, Drew Carey, to me now, like, I get it. He was a bigger name in the late 90s, early 2000s. You know, he had his own sitcom. I think he started as, you know, maybe stand-up comedy. But I know he had his own sitcom, The Drew Carey Show. My family used to watch it all the time. He was the host of Whose Line Is It Anyway, which, you know, nowadays, maybe a lot of kids know him from that, you know, from all the reruns, like on um, ABC Family and stuff. But, you know, for the last however many years, he's been the host of The Price is Right. And it's it's got to be random to, it's got to be such a random thing, you know, for casual Disney fans or for younger fans who didn't experience the ride to be like, whoa, why did Drew Carey have you know, his own attraction. Like, even in his prime, I don't think he was an A-list actor. Like, I know he appeared in, like, the 1999 Royal Rumble, but I don't think that makes him an A-list or maybe B-list. You know, the sitcom, I think, was on ABC. It was popular. But, I mean, come on. It's not like he was doing all these movies and stuff. And the fact that he had his own show that was there for a while is just crazy weird to me. It opened in 1999 and closed in 2012. I mean, come on, guys. 2012, Drew Carey? It's one of those, it's weird to me now. I think it's weird that he, you know, I I remember seeing a billboard and he's on this giant billboard or giant sign, you know, at at Hollywood Studios. Like, it's Drew Carey. And it's going to be weirder in the future when people look back, you know, and they say, oh, look at all these old extinct attractions. Drew Carey, what? That old guy from The Price is Right, I feel like that's how it's going to be. So my number five pick, the fact that Drew Carey had his own attraction at Walt Disney World. All right, here we go. Made it to the top four now. My number four is when they rethemed the Tiki Room slightly. So if you guys remember, years ago, the Enchanted Tiki Room at the Magic Kingdom, they didn't really change it at all, except they added... Uh, Zazu and Iago, the birds from Aladdin and the Lion King, and they called it the Tiki Room under new management. So the Enchanted Tiki Room, uh, an opening day attraction, uh, you know, one of the more iconic ones at the Magic Kingdom. 1998, they they change it, they bring it back under new management with the two cartoon birds, you know, from Aladdin and the Lion King, and they made it more kind of humorous, more comedic. And I remember this being a bit controversial, like uh, at least controversial in the the Disney world, Disney world world. Um, I remember going on, I remember people being upset, like how could they take this iconic attraction and add these cartoon birds and make a mockery of it? And it was like pretty much the same show, but kind of not. It was a weird weird few years there and it ran from uh 1998 to 2011 and they rethemed it back to normal which again is weird in itself and to make it a little more weird the reason why they kind of unimagined it and and brought it back to the original was because a small fire broke out in the attraction and when they had to kind of close it down and repair everything that's when they decided to take 
you know, the new management out and replace it with the original attraction. So, so what makes it weird is we had an original attraction that was slightly changed and they added to it. And then they took out those additions and made it, you know, changed it back to the original version. Like, I wish they would do that with Test Track, to be honest, but crazy to think that the Tiki Room slightly upgraded. There was controversy. People didn't like it. You know, they added the two new characters, these, you know, these these birds from pretty popular Disney movies, you know, Lion King and Aladdin. Big time 90s Disney movies. And I think maybe that was done a little too late. You know, like Lion King, I believe it was like 92. Aladdin was a little after that, maybe 94, 95. Here we are in 98. Here are these, here's these, you know, these two birds, these two characters. People, you know, were against it. They wanted their original Tiki Room. A small fire breaks out 10 years later, you know. And what happens? They, you know, put it back to normal. Pretty weird. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. So we've made it into the top three now, like I said, in no particular order. Uh, but for my number three pick, I'm going with they started selling McDonald's French fries at Walt Disney World, specifically in the parks. This will forever be weird to me. And again, maybe it's just me, but I, just thinking back, thinking where we are now and just kind of how they did it is just weird. You know, you know, Disney and McDonald's have always had a good working relationship, whether it was, you know, through Happy Meal toys or them having, you know, McDonald's on, you know, Disney World property. There was that McDonald's by Animal Kingdom. Uh, there was that one by Crossroads. And, you know, they've always had a good relationship. And McDonald's was a sponsor at Animal Kingdom when the park opened in 98. Here we are in the 2000s. And, yeah, you know, we have a McDonald's by Animal Kingdom, by Blizzard Beach. Uh, I forgot, too, there was a McDonald's at Downtown Disney, which is weird. And then so it's like, hey, okay, why not? Why don't we sell some McDonald's in the park? And that will forever be weird to me because, again, personal memories, specifically, I remember walking around uh, Frontierland. We had just gotten off either Splash Mountain or Thunder Mountain, and there was a uh, food cart kind of right there, kind of uh, kitty corner from Pecos Bill. And they sold McDonald's french fries. And we got, I, th I believe we got an order of McDonald's french fries. And here we are at Disney World, this magical place with all these cool snacks and foods and, you know, where anything is possible. And we're standing there eating McDonald's french fries. That will just forever seem weird to me. Like, I don't want to go to Disney World in the park and have regular McDonald's french fries. You know, they it would have been better if... They took the fries, took them out of that red cardboard box, didn't call them McDonald's fries, but served them to me, you know, in a plain cardboard tray, and I would have thought they were great. But the fact that I knew that they were McDonald's fries, the fact that they promoted it and were sponsored by it and advertised it is just weird to me, you know, and at Animal Kingdom as well, um, there's the, the one um, restaurant there. I forget what it was called, but they served, I believe they served the McDonald's fries and I believe they also served chicken McNuggets. And again, I just, 
that's weird to me. You know, I, I, I don't want to see McDonald's inside the park. Put Serve me fries and McNuggets without calling them, you know, McNuggets, and I think it would have been better. But the fact that it was, you know, your typical McDonald's in the parks was just very weird to me. I understand why they did it. They had a, you know, a contract, a relationship. It seemed like a good deal, but obviously it wasn't a hit. You know, the fact that it didn't last very long. And hopefully, you know, this doesn't come back in the future. I know they're starting to kind of incorporate more advertisements into the parks. They recently did it with, on Main Street at the Magic Kingdom, I believe there's like an M&M themed sign there now. So we'll see if it ever happens again. But that will forever be weird to me, having McDonald's French fries at the Magic Kingdom. All right, top two. Here we go. For my number two pick, I'm going to go with abandoned places. Walt Disney World, like I, I mentioned a minute ago, a magical place. You know, uh, you, you pay top dollar to stay at their resorts, to go into their parks. It's expensive. It's pricey. They have fancy hotels. It's, it's definitely a more upscale, you know, family theme park. The fact that they had places like River Country, Pop Century, um, the, that restaurant at uh, Epcot, they had these abandoned places for so long was always weird to me. So the main one is River Country. That one will forever be weird to me. It's, it's weird now to think about that. Disney's first ever water park, you know, River Country, Opened in the 70s, I believe. Closed, I think, if you look online, I think it'll say like 2001, but I think it closed earlier than that. A water park at Fort Wilderness, close to the Magic Kingdom. The first water park at Disney closes and just sits abandoned, completely abandoned and unkept for what? 15 years, guys? 10 years, 15 years, something like that? So much so that it became a thing that people would sneak onto the property and take videos and post them on YouTube. That became a big thing. Like, and seeing those pictures and those videos never sat well with me. And it's weird to think about because imagine, I don't know, 30 years from now, Typhoon Lagoon closes and they just let it sit and rot and get overrun with weeds and mosquitoes and stuff is falling down and cracking and breaking and they just leave it like that. Like, I don't expect that from Disney. And the fact that they let that sit for so long, you know, and not that long ago. I remember being there, you know, when I was probably 19, 20 years old, and we were kind of walking around. They still had the the River Country, like, ticket booth. You could hear, like, the music. It's like, what are, what are they doing? Either tear it down, fix it up, or do something. Don't let it sit and have these you know, these empty pools fill with dirty rainwater and bugs and all this stuff. That that will just always be weird to me that Disney let that happen because it just seems very un-Disney-like. It seemed very un-Disney-like back then. Like back then, Disney would put up, you know, these big walls so that you couldn't see construction because they didn't want it to be an eyesore. But they let this water park just sit there, you know, for so long. And, you know, not to the same scale, but... Pop Century originally was going to have like more buildings and rooms, like more decades. And September 11th happens, they kind of abandon the entire plan and they only open up half the resort. And the other half kind of sat abandoned for like 10 years or so until Art of Animation opened. And you could drive around, you would see like 
the shell of, you know, hotel, like the hotel building itself. And I believe there was even like a parking lot with like, uh, like twenties, like the decades, like the twenties, thirties, forties, like signage on it. And they just let it sit abandoned for years, you know, until they finally did something with it. And that's just weird to me. Cause I don't, I don't want that from Disney. I don't expect that from Disney. And the fact that it happened like multiple times, you know, that I mentioned briefly that restaurant at Epcot, I think you guys know which one I'm talking about kind of by test track. Like it sat just empty for years. Like we would go in there just to use the bathroom and they didn't use it for anything. And now they kind of open it up for like the food and wine and stuff. So just abandoned things at Disney will forever be weird to me. For my number one pick, this is a simple one. This is an easy one. The castle cake. Now, weird doesn't necessarily mean bad. Just because it's weird doesn't mean it's bad. Like I always liked the castle cake, but I think we can agree that it was kind of weird. Like Walt Disney World for a well over a year or so, they decorated Cinderella's castle and made it look like a giant pink birthday cake. And it's weird because they hadn't done anything like that before. And they won't do anything like that ever again. Not to that scale. They'll, they'll do things like, you know, Epcot for the Millennium. They put like the year 2000 and the, the sorcerer Mickey's hand, his wand on the on Spaceship Earth. Like they didn't, they, they didn't, you know, paint the entire Spaceship Earth pink and, and put a giant Mickey hat on and all this stuff. They just added like a little signage, you know, they, they made Cinderella's Castle a birthday cake. Like that's weird. Like imagine I bring it up. I, I've brought it up before. You know, imagine if you, you know, went to Disney one time in your life and that's the castle that you saw. You would think, whoa, that's, you know, pretty cool. Or you would think, whoa, that's really weird. It's just, it's weird to think back that they would do something like that to that scale, to that effect, like a giant pink birthday cake with candles, with sparkles, with glitter, everything, you name it, they put it into that, you know, that castle cake. And like I said, I liked it. I think it's cool. And especially now, look at all the retro stuff coming out with the castle cake on it. Like, I think people now are finally realizing that it wasn't that bad. You know, people need to relax. It wasn't that bad. It was cool. But it was also weird because it definitely unique. We'll never see anything like that again. And I think that's what makes it weird. Not bad, but weird, if that makes sense. I gotta say, I, I I think the castle cake does get a bad rap, um, but with all like the vintage and retro stuff, I think people are kind of opening up to it. Like I said, like the big argument was like, you know, what if that was your only trip to Disney, and like the castle wasn't Cinderella's castle, it was his birthday cake. I think that makes it more memorable, you know. But like, let's be honest, it was a giant birthday cake, and that's a little weird. So that's my number one, and that's my list. I did only have a couple of smaller honorable mentions. Uh, one of them was the clown slide at the Boardwalk Resort pool. Um, just the fact that it was a you know a water slide themed like a clown, and it was very creepy and very weird. Um, I also had just a lot of the COVID restrictions and stuff. You know, making park reservations, wearing masks in the park. I think one day we're gonna look back and be like, "Wow, that was a really weird." period at Walt Disney World. But that's all I got for you guys this week. I hope you enjoyed my weird list, weird things at Disney, cringe things, weird moments in Disney history. I'm sure there's a lot more, but I just kind of, I kind of stuck to like my generation, obviously, like 
I'm sure there's a lot of things in the 70s and 80s at Disney World that seem weird now, whether it's just like weird looking characters or attractions. Um, you know, there's one I was going to add to uh, my list. It was, it's called uh, Kitchen Cabaret. It was an attraction a show at uh, Epcot, but like I never, like I don't remember it. I don't think I ever went on it or experienced it, so I don't really remember it. And I felt like you know, I, I, I shouldn't put it on the list just because, you know, I didn't see it. I can't talk about it, like how weird it was. Um, so I kind of just kind of stuck to, um, you know, things that I found weird kind of in my generation. You know, I'm a 90s kid. But anyway, thanks again. You guys are the best. Thank you for listening, coming back. Um, again, if you aren't already, follow me on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, Disney World Today. My DMs there on Instagram are always open if you want to stop by and say hi. If you see something cool, want to send it my way, whether it's a reel, a post, um, Disney-related or not, I don't really mind. You know, you, got, you guys know I love talking Disney with you or life in general. TikTok and YouTube, you can follow me on there as well. I'm trying to post more on there. And wherever you're listening to this, if you can leave me a rating and a review, five-star rating review would be much appreciated. If you do write me a review, uh, I'll give you a shout-out on the very next episode. My aunt is actually uh, leaving for Disney today. Uh, so I'm pretty jealous. I'm sure I'll be seeing some pictures in the uh, in the group text, and I'll be uh, living vicariously through her for the next few days, wishing I was at Disney. So if any, any of you guys have Disney trips coming up, or if you're a local and you're just going there for the day or stopping by, just think of me. I'm here in Chicago. It's 30 degrees. It's cold. It's dark. I wish I was at Disney, but instead I'm going to go take the dogs for a walk. Got to put on like two jackets, a winter hat, gloves, I think I'll I'll put on either a Disney podcast or maybe some Disney park music uh, to kind of pretend like I'm there. I know I know a lot of you guys who are from the Midwest or somewhere cold. I think you guys can relate. So that's all I got. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Have a good week. Have a good weekend. And I'll talk to you guys next week. Always remember, it all started with a mouse. Oh, oh, oh.